Good morning. It is the first Sunday of June, and we are actually back at our building. If you're watching this, more than likely you're not with us, and we understand. We know some people are still not comfortable getting out, and we want people to feel comfortable as we move into this first stage for our church as well. We've tried to stay connected during this time of, of isolation, and, and um, you know, we've We've tried to connect with people, whether it be through phone calls or text or our online worship experience that you're having now, and certainly the things that we do on our social media as well. And one of the other things that we have done is we've had people around a table. As you see this morning, this is a little bit different. I'm all by myself. I'm lonely. Uh, but we, we wanted to continue to have people around the table while we were not able to meet together as a church to give some familiar faces, to make it feel a little bit more uh, like home. And, uh, you know, we've done some live broadcasts as well, and, and that's simply for you to be able to, to interject with us and have some interaction. And we really believe that God has blessed us during this time. I know Peyton and I both have talked about people who've reached out to us who've wanted prayers because of the online presence that we've had, and, and they've wanted some spiritual direction. And it's people not just in this church, but people in our community, and people even from other states. And we both give all that glory to God because we've been able to do some things we never even dreamed imaginable. So we have had this great success and and we uh, we're just thrilled um, but at the same time it, it wasn't the same as being together and so even though we are social distancing at the church building this morning and we are wearing our mask we're back and we are so thrilled to be back and if you're still not feeling safe, we understand, and we want you to know that we're continuing to pray for you this morning in our worship, as we hope that as you're at home and you're still anticipating the time, that you celebrate with us as we finally have come together. And we long for the day when all of us will feel safe and it will all be able to be under one roof once again. I wish I could tell you that that the world is a better place since the last time we met. But the fact of the matter is, it's chaos. COVID-19 is still running throughout our community, is still going throughout our state and our nation, and even throughout the world. There's the problem with unemployment. Some businesses have already closed permanently. We hear the rumors of possible uh, a second outbreak of COVID that's going to be very bad, and we don't know what all those things will hold. But now we have a time of social unrest in our country over the last week or so, and, and people are grieving, and, and people are protesting, and there's a lot of things that have been happening. And so we look at this and we wonder, is our world ever going to get better? And we, we may even feel like we're drowning a little bit. Uh, it just seems like, you know, the waters are rising up on us. And that's certainly the way the psalmist spoke about the chaos that happened in the world. In fact, in Psalm chapter 69, 1 through 3, he says, Save me, O God, for the waters have come up to my neck. I sink in the deep mire where there is no foothold. 
I have come into the deep waters, and the flood sweeps over me. I am weary with my crying out. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. Can you relate? Do you understand how that feels maybe right now in your life? And the only thing we can do, and we have this sense of crying out to God, and that's the way to call. Because the psalmist also said in Psalm 29, verse 3 and 10, The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord over many waters. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. Our God is greater than the raging waters. And again, the psalmist will later write in Psalm 124, he says, If it had not been the Lord who was on our side, when people rose up against us, then the flood would have swept us away. The torrent would have gone over us. Then over us would have gone the raging waters. I love the psalms. But the psalmists aren't the ones who came out with that idea and the metaphor of chaos and raging waters. It goes all the way back to the very first page of the Bible, which is more than a creation story. It is the foundation of all Scripture, and it answers the questions to chaos in our world. Peyton and I are beginning a 10-week series on the book of Genesis. We want to explore the core messages that rise up from its pages. It's unfortunate many um, go to Genesis for things such as debates, to look up controversies and talk about those, and, and even to go to Genesis just to, to argue over insignificant things. For example, the age of the earth. There are those who believe that the earth was created in six literal 24-hour days. Then there are the, and that the earth is about, about 10,000 years old. And then you have those who believe in the gap theory, that there were millions of years between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. And then you have the theistic evolutionists, and, and they say that God created the universe, but that God did it through an evolutionary process over millions of years. And I remember growing up and hearing these debates, and in fact, they would get quite heated. Some churches could uh, even split over those things. People stopped talking to each other, breaking fellowship with one another, determining who is true and who is false in their beliefs, all over topics that had nothing to do with why, why the author wrote Genesis to begin with. We've used Genesis like a textbook at times, and it doesn't mean that we can't go in and debate certain things and there's not going to be controversies and, and we can't you know, just keep looking at these things. But sometimes we really miss the mark of what it's all about. I believe Tim Mackey gave one of the best illustrations I heard as to how we approach Genesis. And he compared it to a painting of the Mona Lisa. Imagine two men coming and staring at the Mona Lisa. 
and they start arguing over whether or not the painting was uh, started in, in 1503 or 1506, which by the way is a real debate, or if they started talking about what size brushes that da Vinci used. Or maybe they argue over who is the woman in the picture. You know, some think it's da Vinci's face he's painted into it. Others say it's da Vinci's mother, and some say that it is a woman, and they even give this particular woman's name. But maybe they come to some understanding together as to what happened, or, or what, this, what, what these things are with the painting. But what is the one thing that they did not do? They did not stop and admire the painting and the genius of the artwork of da Vinci. To see its contrast, to see its texture and its composition. Leonardo's brilliant work in shading gives her face this, this grand definition. We see the folds in her clothing and uh, which are, which are complemented and they're similar to the shades in the valley and the mountains that are behind her. There is an overall harmony in the picture, which is reflecting da Vinci's idea of a cosmic link between humanity and nature. In other words, we see the vision of da Vinci, of da Vinci's world. And sometimes this is the way we treat Genesis. We come with arguments and we wonder, you know, well, you know, what about this particular thing or that particular thing? And, and yet sometimes we just don't sit still and admire the beauty and the artistry of the book of Genesis. We need to pause and listen to its composition to appreciate its message. It's important we put ourselves into the shoes of the ancients to try to understand what it is they're trying to say to us so that then we can place it into our world today. And just to give you an example of how easy it is for us to use our worldview in reading books of the Bible, and especially Genesis, we just simply look at the very first verse. What I'd like for you to do is just kind of close your eyes, if you will, and I'm going to just, I'm going to quote this first verse of the Bible, and I want you to have an imagery in mind. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, what did you envision? How many of you pictured the earth and the universe? To see this particular picture that is up before you now of the earth and its circular nature. And why wouldn't we think in this way? Many of us have been very interested in the space launches and we've been watching as, as the rockets have taken off and we see the camera that looks behind as the earth is moving further and further away. But that was not the vision of an 8th century BC writer as well as most as we went through the centuries. In fact, many people forget that the very first picture, that uh, televised picture of the earth came in 1960. So our worldview of when we hear the word earth would have been very different uh, to the writer. And part of the reason is the translation of the heavens and the earth. 
earth is actually the translation for land. So to us, earth means planet, but to them who's speaking of land. And my point is that the reader is supposed to have a completely different image. When it says the heavens and the earth, what he means is the sky and the land. And as you see this picture that, that is up before you now, you see a very different view than, than you would of, of space. And you may be thinking, well, then so what? Does, does that change anything? Well, those are the kind of things we're going to talk about in this series. And if it does, what is the divine purpose of the narrative? Now, before you freak out, this is not going to be a series where I preach every week and I'm, it's all about word definitions and, and sentence structures and, comp and things of that sort. It's, it's much more than that. In fact, it's something that comes with a bonus. At this time, I'm going to have Peyton Menzenmeyer. He and I are working together in this series, and he's going to tell you a, a little bit more about what it is that we're going to be doing. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm excited for this Genesis series. I hope you're excited too. Like the whole purpose of this series, this Genesis series, is to connect this very ancient book with normal people like you. <laughs> like people who are curious about the Bible, um, who want to have a handle on what the book of Genesis is about, but don't want to spend the next five years learning Hebrew, who don't want to spend uh, time reading through thousands of pages of details and material so that they can grasp what this book is about. Uh, because the reality is, is that most of us, uh, those who've been raised in the church, we have grown up hearing these stories throughout Genesis hearing these stories that we loved as kids, that excited us as kids, but then as adults left us scratching our head. Like, did God really create the world in seven days? Why, why didn't God accept Cain's sacrifice over Abel's? Uh, did God really, like, was there a time when all of humanity was wiped out with the flood? And, and so whether or not these controversies, if they excite you, they scare you, if you don't even want to get started with them, if you've never even thought about them, Tracy and I, we've developed this series to help you see Genesis as a whole story, as a story that works together, as a story that's not made up of a book, that's not made up of a bunch of small, weird stories that, you know, are just scattered throughout and, you know, we pick them up in our Bible studies and our um, Sunday uh, morning lessons, but stories that are connected that, that work together towards a greater whole, that have a lot to say for our life, that are still significant today. And we believe that's what Genesis is about. And that's what the best stories do. Like the best stories, they shape our lives because precisely as we read them, they present us with, they present us with both reality and possibility. Like it, they serve as like a mirror where we can read into the, these stories and we can resonate with them. And we recognize that we are not alone in our experiences. Like the problems that we are facing today, even today, are not 21st century problems. They're human problems. They're problems that we have been dealing with since humanity has been a thing. So we see, we, we read into a mirror our own experiences but at the same time, a good story pulls us into a new world, a whole new reality, 
a reality of different possibilities, a reality that might be dangerous at times, but it not only reveals to us what is. In fact, most good stories don't reveal to us what is, but what is possible. And that's what we believe Genesis is. It's a story that it's pulling us into not only the reality of what is, but what is possible. And so that's the journey we're going to be entering into uh, over the next 10 weeks in Genesis. Tracy and I, we're going to be working pretty close in this series. Um, And in many of our lives right now, they're hitting a reset button. Like we are beginning again. We are coming out of this virus. We're reshaping our priorities and our perception of the world. And so we thought, what better place to go than the beginning? (laughs) to reestablish our foundation as believers in God. And so here's what the next 10 weeks are going to look like more practically for you. Uh, Genesis is a rich book. It is a rich book. It's like a tapestry with thousands of colorful threads that make up the bigger picture. And, and so it's a, what Genesis is, it's wisdom literature. And what wisdom literature is meant to do, it's meant to be read over and over and over again, back to back for a lifetime. And every time that you take a pass through it, a new insight is revealed to you. I mean, that's what wisdom literature is designed to be. And so taking one passing at Genesis is designed to keep things hidden from you, to to explore it with with new angles. So with that in mind, Sunday morning is not going to be a place where Tracy and I trudge through the muck, so to say. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday morning, the design that we're going to have is to take Genesis, take these stories and to apply them and clarify for them, uh, clarify them to you, uh, to apply to your life. Like, why does this story matter to me? However, uh, there is another format that we are going to open up for everybody because, um, with, there's a lot that gets said on Sunday. We say a lot on Sunday. But there is so much more that's left unsaid. (laughs) There's so much more that we wish we could say that goes behind the scenes as we form these lessons, as we work through these thoughts, as we work through wisdom literature and and rich tapestry like Genesis. And so while we say a lot up here, we want to expose the things that are left unsaid on Sunday. The details, the depth, the extraordinary things that make this book so exciting to us um, as your ministers. And so this is rich material and we're going to open it up to you. And so what Tracy and I are going to do is as we form these lessons, we're going to sit down with a microphone between us and we're going to talk through each lesson. Uh, And then we're going to make those available to you, those discussions that we have. So all you nerds out there, all you people who want to go in more depth of what Genesis is about, you can listen to uh, those conversations that we have in addition to our Sunday morning lesson. And so to access that content, uh, we're going to be reusing uh, a blog site Tracy has called The Bible Peel. So um, it's going to be a podcast format. And so you will be able to listen to those conversations we have. So anywhere you find podcasts, just look up The the Bible Peel and you'll find our podcast there. Or go to thebiblepeel.com and you'll be able to access those um, those conversations there, but it's just going to be more in-depth discussion. So yep, that's it. All right. So Genesis, it just makes these amazing statements about the world that we live in, about who we are, and 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 who God is, and much of our misunderstanding and even our false belief systems at times comes from misunderstanding this book, 
because we look at the chaos in the world and we ask such questions as, what's wrong with people? What's the solution? And Genesis helps us to answer those questions and, and many others as well. Jesus, in his teachings, he, he spoke of Adam and Eve and he spoke of Noah and Abel. And to understand what Jesus is saying in those teachings, we need to know who he's referring to. In John's gospel, John's gospel begins by telling us about Jesus, that he is the word, that he created all things. That's Genesis. And we know that, um, we know that Paul says that Jesus is the new Adam. How do we know who is the new Adam? If we don't understand... Adam. The old one. <laughs> and so the last book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible is almost a mirror of the very first books, first couple of books of the Bible. The very last two chapters speaks of a new heaven and new earth. It speaks of this garden-like scene that is greater and grander than even the other. And for us to really understand it, which is our hope today, is this new creation that will emerge, is to understand the first one. And so these are just many that we're going to look at. It's amazing to me, and I know Peyton feels the same way, how many times you just go through books of the Bible, the Old Testament, the New Testament, and it just keeps pushing us back mm -hmm. to those first few chapters. So here's what we're asking you to do during this series we would like for you to pray for us because we're going to need it. There's a lot of material. There's a lot of things that we're, we're trying to push through. And also, we, we want to be able to fill you with these things. And the other thing I would like to ask you to do is read Genesis 1 through 11 as many times as you can through this series. It's not about speed. It's not about who reads it the most. It's just about familiarizing yourself with the story and the details. It's about catching certain phrases and words that have meaning and stopping mm. and just meditating on those things because it will mean much more to you later on down the line, I believe. Mm. So that's all we're asking uh, you to do is we try to join in this Genesis study, this Genesis series, which absolutely an ancient story that has a meaning for our lives today and beyond. We want to thank you for joining us this morning, Peyton. Thank you for joining me. Absolutely. And we cannot wait till next week. We'll talk to you later.